Welcome to another episode of Team Anywhere, where CEOs, leaders, and experts at building teams, companies, organizations, and amazing cultures share how to lead from anywhere in the world. I'm your co-host on the East Coast, Judy Bianco Mathis. And I'm your co-host on the West Coast, Mitch Simon. And we invite you to join us to Team Anywhere. If you are going to create a more interactive, productive, and effective way that simulates working as a team in the office, then you would have created a platform called SoWork. SoWork simulates the interactivity of work as if you were in the same room or on the same floor and offers so much more in the way of productivity, creativity, and collaboration. Today on the podcast, we have Emma Giles, the co-founder of SoWork, whose way of looking at hybrid work is informative fresh, and inspiring. Hello and welcome to another episode of Team Anywhere. I'm your co-host, Mitch Simon, on the West Coast and on the East Coast, our glamorous and brilliant co-host, Dr. Virginia Bianco Mathis. How are you doing today, Jenny? (laughs) Great. Now that you've added the adjective glamorous. Glamorous. Look, today you're looking glamorous. Oh, yeah. And today, of course, we have a glamorous guest. Oh, yes. And her name is Emma Giles, co-founder of SoWork. SoWork supports leaders trying to navigate the digital first work shift. Emma spent a year at Khan Academy, creating free medical content for medical students and scaled data initiatives for the World Health Organization. And she's done a lot of other crazy things that I haven't mentioned yet. So today, mm-hmm. how are you doing today, Emma? I'm doing so good. Thank you both for having me. I'm very excited to talk. You're welcome. First thing we want to know is what is it like to live on Vancouver Island? Well, I can share one story is right now we have a live bear trap outside of our house, not because we want to trap bears, but because our bears have been stealing our chickens. So it is more rural out here than I think people appreciate. But with that rural comes beauty. I'm an avid hiker and trail runner, so I'll take it. I'm one to coexist with the bears, but it is more rural and rugged out here than I think maybe some people might know. (laughs) Totally. Yeah, that is something. That I'm not worrying about every morning, actually. That's correct, right. I'm worrying about is, does Trader Joe's even have eggs? <laughs> now, I'm wondering, did the chicken lose their eggs because the bear oh. took it? So similar oh. problems, just different circumstances. Correct. Right, right. Correct. Gosh, I think yours is more exciting than mine. Okay, so can you tell us, Emma, a little bit about your background and how you got to found or co-found SoWork? Absolutely. So work was a product that was created sort of on accident in the very early stages of the pandemic. So my team and I, we were working on a completely different product, which I can touch on if that's of interest, you know, a little bit, but we were creating something totally different recommendation algorithms for learners online who are trying to teach themselves content. And there's so much content out there. A lesson I learned because I created some of that content with Khan Academy, amazing content, you got to be able to find it and know when the right time is to to take it in. So we were working in a completely different space. And just like every other team, when the pandemic hit, we were all thrown online. Our team had done some online work, remote work before, but we missed each other so much. We could tell that the space, the challenges we were navigating were going to persist. 
So we created a tool, a very janky tool, a very early hacky MVP of a tool, and we used it to work together for one place. Long story short, as soon as people started to see that tool, we realized there was something more there than just a tool for ourselves. And we also made a big bet that we saw that we believed we saw the world of work was going to change forever. So we put our other work aside and we took a hard right and we haven't looked back since. So it was born from that story. Great. And so how do you pronounce it? It's called? So work. So work. So work. Okay, great. Okay. So what I wanted to know a little bit is what has surprised you the most over the last two and a half years as you've helped companies migrate to the virtual and hybrid world? Yeah. So I think if I zoom all the way out, I think one of the things that has surprised me the most that is also kind of delightful is zoomed in, we all feel like we're navigating different challenges. And we are. A lot of what we're navigating day to day feels different, foreign, more challenging, new obstacles that we never had to navigate if we were in person before. But if we zoom out, those problems are actually associated with core business fundamentals that we've always navigated. We've always needed to make sure people have the right information. They're aligned. They have a shared mission. They can communicate. They can collaborate. They can be human. They can be bonded and connected. They can be a healthy team. These are all like core fundamentals of high-performing businesses, whether in person or digital. So what I've found really exciting is as the last couple of years has gone on, when we zoom in the challenges, they are unique, but zoomed out, they're actually mapped to core business fundamentals we've always been navigating just in different ways. So I find that, I think that's like a big theme I've noticed. And I think that's really exciting because it means we can use those same things that we know to anchor ourselves to okay, so how are we going to solve these? Well, let's go back to first principles and think about the business fundamentals and why things are challenging in this environment. And that helps us find unique but foundational sort of solutions to those problems. Before we get into what So Work does, give us an example of a problem that it sounds like you very smart people put your brains <laughs> together and said, okay, here's a problem. Here's what we might do to find a solution to that. Sure. So a lot of what we hear day to day is leaders that are struggling with things that they used to be able to take for granted and not have to think about in real life. So take a simple example. You've got a young company. They used to sit around the same table and a lot of information was passed around just by being near each other. Mm -hmm. um, you, you sort of heard something. So you ran over, you know, you saw a meeting was taking place. So you joined in. And when we take the digital equivalent of what teams navigate, we've lost a lot of that in most of the tools that we are using. And so that's like a, just a very simple problem that's created from something that we took for granted. How do teams get the information that they need so that they can do great work together? So I think that's like a very specific thing that we've seen symptoms my team isn't able to move as fast as they need to. My team isn't collaborating as well. People are feeling left out. Those are symptoms of that problem not being solved well. And it's not solved well because we used to take it for granted when we were working in person. So the name of the game is, okay, how do you do that in the digital world? And there's all sorts of interesting problems that are created there as well. Okay. So you have to tell us what is so work? What is it all about? What does it do? What does it look? Actually, it's hard to describe it, but what does it look like? Yeah. Yeah. So when you land in so work, you are in a shared place together. Way back in the day, we often hear about Second Life. Second Life is an app that some people are familiar with. It was used for a different purpose. But the idea is that you are in the same place as people. You have little avatars. You can um, make your avatar look and feel the way you want to. So there's a level of self-expression there. You can make your place look and feel the way you want to. 
like how did your place look before or what kind of fantastical culture do you want to represent in the walls of your building? And then the cool thing is you're able to walk up to someone. You're able to initiate a video and or audio conversation with someone via proximity just by walking over to them if they're available. And so it, it looks and feels like an office if you want it to. Some people want yeah. it to feel like the beach. That's fine. And those are sort of the fundamental mechanics of it. So you, the feeling is that you're in the same place as your team. So would it be fair to say, and correct me if it's wrong, that it's like playing a video game, but you're one of the folks that you see running down the street? Yeah, you could totally liken it to that. And I think the different virtual offices sort of play up the video game element and some play it down and try to make uh-huh. it feel more realistic. So there's like a slider along there, but absolutely. It's sort of like you are a character in a world and then there's just different variations of that in the space. And would you call it a virtual reality or is it different? So we're different. Virtual offices, if we think about that as a category, some of them leverage virtual reality and some of them don't. We don't leverage virtual reality. We stick to two dimensions because we want to create something that can be light and mobile and doesn't tank your computer and doesn't require hardware. From our perspective, the technology isn't quite where we'd like it to be to meet in with our customers' workflows, but it's an exciting space. Yes, so give us, a, yes. give us an example. I can tell Jenny that you play video games all day long. Oh, so yes. give us an example. <laughs> no. Give us an example. A use case of one of your customers. Sure, like how they use SoWork. So I can give an example. So early stage startup, 40 people recently started to grow. And one of the challenges that they started to navigate was, okay, so how do we maintain our culture? And how do we inculcate new teammates into our culture? How do we make them feel like they're a part of the team? How do we immerse them in who we are? And so for them, amongst other things, SoWork is a place where new teammates can come and actually feel like they get to meet and be around new people in the culture in a way that other tools, they weren't able to check that box. So as they've started to grow, they've brought on, you know, 20, 30 new people in the last several weeks, which is, you know, when you're that small, it feels like a lot and it changes the fundamentals of the dynamics of their teams. So being able to say, this is us, this is our place, these are our values, this is how we work, let us show you, come work beside us, has been really huge for them with feeling that they can recruit at high velocity, but still maintain their culture. And so what are some of the things that you're doing to maintain the culture in the so work space? Yeah, great question. So some of the things that teams do is they can actually make it look and feel the way that they would like to. So we have teams that used to work in person and what they've done is recreate some of their favorite things from their prior offices in the space. So there's a level of familiarity. Other things are funny and silly. Like we have some teammates that I'll share a story is our CEO was out traveling for quite a while. Teammates missed him because the time zone difference meant they didn't see him much in the office. So what they did is they started to like basically play pranks in his little corner of our virtual office. So they'd leave like silly pictures of him or silly pictures of them like posing as him. So when he would come back, even though he would be on a different sort of time schedule than everyone else, they expressed their missing his presence Uh by leaving things in his area. And so when he came back, he saw those. It's a wonderful way for the team to be able to express that. But it's also a wonderful thing to return to and feel like even if you haven't seen people in a while, they were thinking of you and they want to connect with you. And those like little stories like that are how culture is expressed, Mm -hmm. maintained, propagated. So I, I love things like that. And of course, we use a lot of Zoom in my company with my clients. How would you share with someone to help them understand how this gives more, let's say, 
more connectivity or more trust or more fun than Zoom? Because we're using something like Zoom right now. How is it better? So I think tools like Zoom at first in the early pandemic were like a huge savior. We relied on them heavily. And then they've gotten sort of like a bad rep you know, over time as we ended up with things like we talked about Zoom fatigue in the pandemic and things like that. So I think the first thing I'll say is that Zoom was created for video conferencing and it does a fantastic Mm -hmm. job at video conferencing. Now, it wasn't created for, at least in its first or existing creation, is some of the things that it started to get used for, which is trying to replace other forms of meetings. So when we think about synchronous time together, something like a scheduled meeting, like we are going to meet for 60 minutes and this is the agenda, that's only one form of meeting synchronously. And other forms we used to have, like in the office, for example, are I could just walk up to you. I saw you, you looked available. So I thought it'd be a great moment to grab you for five minutes. We collaborated, someone overheard us. So they jumped in, they got you know an hour saved because they were able to get their question answered. And that kind of stuff is a core component of how teams work together and they sort of move between their own deep work and synchronous work with their team. And tools like Zoom, at least right now, are not created to provide that part of the sync. And so one of the things that SoWork does really well is just due to the fluidity and the being in one place, it gives back that movement between I'm doing deep work. I saw you came in. You looked available. So I just ran over to grab you. We worked together for a little bit. I was able to wave at a teammate. I was able to get back to work. Teams move between those different modes. And we create an environment for that in a way, say, a video conferencing tool isn't created to do. Mm-hmm. So if I'm in work in my office of, let's say, 40 people, how would I let someone know that I'm busy, but I'm also available? Great question. So one of the things that we have is something called availability. So you have sort of a green or a red. Mm -hmm. Uh, So green means walk over to me. There's also what we call status, which says this is what I'm doing. So engineering, Mm -hmm. I'm green, you can connect with me, but I want you to know that what I'm working on so that if you look at that, and you're like, "Mm, maybe not a good time to stop you from that. I won't run over to you right now. Or Oh, it's great to see that you're working on that. I'm working on that too. Let me run over to you and we'll work together. So we have components like that that people use. But the other thing we have is when you're on red, which means you cannot walk up to me and connect, you can leave me something called a memo. And memos are interesting in that we triage them based on urgency. So when you return from your deep work, maybe you've been on red for a couple hours, you'll see the memos of people who tried to connect with you that are organized by urgency so that you can attend the ones that are most, you know, I'm blocked, I really need you. And you can see my work days ending in an hour versus I was just saying hi, because I wanted to show you a cat gif. And a lot Mm -hmm. of tools don't do that. So we sort of provide those different types of things to allow people to move between those modes. Yeah, I have a next question here. And you're, um, you're answering my question already. Can teams that are distributed that are hybrid that are virtual, can they actually have an advantage? over teams that are all together or are they at a disadvantage? Yeah, this is one of those things that's like, there's incredible leverage here. If not set up properly, i.e. with the right sort of business infrastructure, cadences, work units, tools, more distributed teams can experience more pains in collaboration and engagement than other teams. However, that same leverage point can be sort of pushed on Mm -hmm. in the right ways and swing the pendulum to be an advantage. And so it becomes an advantage when those teams have the tools they need to move seamlessly between different modes of work. And so one of the things, I'll just give it an example of like a story, 
is, you know, so one of our engineers, he's in Japan and he looks, he has some work ready. He needs someone to review it. So he's finishing his day and he looks at the list of people that are around. He's like, ooh, I'm going to choose this teammate because they're about to start their day. So if I give my work to them starting their day while I end my day, it means that by the time I wake up, that work's going to be further along when we do the next handoff, we'll connect for an hour sync, and then I will be able to pick it up and keep running with it. And so suddenly, distributed teams have set up well with the right tools, the right infrastructure, the right whatever, they can actually take advantage of a longer clock. I'll speak in non-startup terms, but five days a week at eight hours, not startup language, they instead might have seven or six days a week of 12 or 14 hours, depending on how distributed they are. So I think the name of the game is if you have a distributed team or if you want to, how can you set them up to leverage those gaps effectively? Yeah, it sounds like if I'm in an office and I'm down the hall, you have no idea what I'm up to, right? You have no idea what I'm thinking and you're down the hall. But it sounds like with your tool, you almost have access, you know, depending upon how many people are in your office, right? If you have a screen with 500, that's a little bit difficult. But if you have 40 people, you could just basically look and say, oh, that person's not busy. That person is busy. And so it looks like you can, in fact, move faster. Is that the case? Yeah. And I think the other thing we have at our advantage is technology. So we can leverage technology to say, tell us who your five most common teammates are, and we can compute for you who the smartest person is to send resources to. You know, that's so we have I an was advantage. Going, I was exactly because you could be a part of many different teams. And I'm envisioning, right? If you can click a button <laughs> to go in and out of the teams that you need to. Exactly, absolutely, and because we can use technology to remove the sort of overhead that would be put on you in this case, Jenny, if you were trying to navigate that. And we can say, how can we make this as easy for you as possible? Yes. We can automate the stuff that you don't need to do. And you tell us, hey, this is what I'm trying to accomplish. And we say, awesome. Based on that, we can calculate based on work hours and who's available. We recommend sending your work to this person. Click this button to do that. And so there's right. some really powerful things we can do with technology if we understand the problems people need to solve. Is it almost constant? I'm thinking, let's say a bigger organization. All right, well, now we need this new group of people. And now, oh, this, it turns out that we have that. Another group needed them, blah, blah, blah. But now we need a totally new one, or we need this one just four times a year. It could get quite an orchestration <laughs> of teams, which is exciting, but also shows almost how complex it could get. Well, and I think that's kind of goes back to exactly what you just said goes back to one of the things that I was sort of thinking about and then said at the start, which is we're still dealing with first principles of running a business. If we take a big company, they're dealing with that no matter where they work from. But I think we have a unique, if we can understand those, which I think is your point, if we right. can understand the complexity, which is step one, we can do things to help technology offload some of that and yeah. help teams be more effective. Love it. Yeah, I, I remember reading a Harvard Business Review article where they were basically measuring interactions between people, but they were, you know, they'd have to do it all manually, right? Like this person just walked into that person's office and they were finding, you know, the every time a product didn't launch well was because the marketing people weren't speaking to the right parties. And it seems like you, with this tool, you can capture all that data and you can actually share with people data around their interactions versus, you know, most of our data comes from, you know, the customer and our product. Wow. So, that's a real good, point. really, really brilliant. 
Could you share with us from what you've learned, which I'm sure is a lot, what are some <laughs> simple high leverage tweaks that leaders could use right now to help run their businesses? So I think one of the things I always try to do is expose the framework underneath the answers. So when we sort of say that to leaders, I always like to say, well, how do you find the leverage point? When I give an idea, how do you know what it maps to? So when we think about leverage points, it's helpful to think about not dissimilar from the framework I personally like to use, which is, all right, what are the first principles of running a business? Well, a business is here to drive results in their market. Okay, so you need teams to be able to work together, high functioning, we could talk about, you know, you need to be able to have healthy conflict, you need to feel psychologically safe. Okay, so there's some nuance there. They need to be pointed at the right problems. The worst thing in the world is if you've got a high functioning team pointed at the wrong problems, they don't drive results. So you can sort of break things down that way. And then you can say, okay, so what are those, the core unit of all of that is the team. So what does the team need? Information, context, communication, you know, basics. And then we say, all right, so what I like to do is I like to say, what symptoms are you experiencing? Because we could probably map those symptoms back to one of those one or many of those core areas. And so the leverage is found by saying, all right, so you're experiencing factions and silos. Okay. So factions and silos can happen because some of the like this sort of connective tissue between people has been broken. Maybe information isn't moving between teams. Maybe you're not setting up those teams with the right context. So they're sort of forming their own priorities. There's a few different reasons it can happen. And so we can break that down and say, well, the leverage is where you experience the symptoms and then what core business fundamental or fundamentals does it map to? So that's just something I would expose that I think is really helpful so anyone can find their own leverage. But I think one of the things that we've seen is at the end of the day, particularly in digital teams, there's two core things that are so fundamental that I think have been lost a lot in our transition. And they both roll up to performance. Teams need to be able to come together, can communicate, get things done, push work forward. They also need to be able to feel close enough, connected, human enough to hold each other accountable, have hard conversations. Those two things hand in hand are core parts of high-performing teams. And so one of the things that we love to do is we recommend something in our product, but you could do it in all sorts of products called teamwork blocks. Teamwork blocks are blocks on the calendar where your team just works together at the same time. In so work that has its own unique benefits, but in other products, you can do that too. Teamwork blocks are two hours, you know, on a Wednesday where you just come together and work together. And it doesn't matter how distributed you are. It doesn't matter what your days are normally like. You check those core boxes of we can come together in a way that feels human. So we connect. It's spontaneous. It's collaborative. It's different. And we're really productive. We can push work forward. And we find that something so simple like that, having that work unit in your cadence, your business cadence, it just root solves so many challenges that relate to the breakdown of some of those fundamentals that we're dealing with in digital. So that's sort of a framework, but then also a very specific example that, that we see is really helpful for leaders that are struggling with maybe performance challenges. It seems to me then that you also have to, and maybe I'm wrong, it probably depends on what generation you're working with, right? That the worker, the team member, himself or herself, has to jump into this and know how to pick it up and know how to be able to speak a little bit of the language that you're speaking about. Where's my team block? And, you know, what am I going to leverage here? And, you know, it's different, right? So how do they adapt to it? 
hundred percent. And I think you raise a great point. It is totally different. And I think to get the benefits, you have to adopt some of that different stuff. So it's super related. For us, we always recommend, and this is whether it's in our product or any new product, start with something really simple and make sure that the stakes aren't high. So the worst thing in the world, I used to hear stories about our early product where I had someone sort of yelling at me on customer support. It was like, I just took my board meeting in here. And this was when we were really early and the meeting didn't work. And I'm like, please don't do that. Please don't take a high stakes (laughs) meeting in our product. Please, 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 please. Right. So don't do that. And so I think even if the product is now stable, don't do that. We don't want to put people under immense pressure. And I think when we're trying anything new, and this is no exception, how can we set up the first experience, the first context? So all they need to do is just show up and it's okay if they don't accomplish anything in that first time. It's okay if they have issues. Whereas what we've seen go really poorly with any new tool, and especially one like this is the first experiences of board meeting or an interview or an investor conversation for $10 million. And, you know, don't do that. So I think the more we can take that pressure away, the more people can just kind of relax and feel okay to explore and try something new. And then for us, because it is such a new space, we provide pretty hands-on customer support for anything anyone needs. And we love to jump in and help our customers out. Emma, related to that question, what do you see when you bring this out to a team? Because I'm imagining that, you know, there's one team that's like all over it. And another team is like, no, I have nothing of this. Like, how do you get adoption or do you across a whole company? Yeah, I think what you're talking about is something that we would talk about, like you've got champions or champion teams. And then you've got others that are like, I don't see it or I don't need it, or I don't want it. And I think like any sort of tool adoption in a broader market, it's, you know, it's a bell curve, you have to cross the chasm. It's the same stuff, just on a different scale. So for us, step number one is we don't want anyone using it if they're not providing value. Number one thing we do every day is we say, what are the painful problems that we want to solve for you with this product? If you don't have those problems, or we're not solving it well, first, we look at ourselves. But then after that, if there really is alignment there, we always say, like, just start with the unit of people, whether it's a couple or a team that really is getting value. And if you just start there, it just kind of flows from there. Yeah. Uh, those people, if they truly are getting value from the product, they will spread to the right people. But not every company needs a tool to be propagated through the whole company. And so we sort of think of everything on the team unit. If the team's getting value, we're happy. Right. That's well, a very good point. Glad you made that. This yeah. has been so illuminating oh. and really fun. And, you know, so I would just urge everyone who's listening to this podcast to run out and check out, check this thing out because it's really cool and fun. How can they find more about you and about SoWork? So I always encourage people to go to SoWork.com, which is our website. And at the very top, there's a button and that button goes straight into our office. It's free. It's open. You don't have to commit to anything. We live out of there and I'm always there. So you can just run up to me and anything else you want to learn about us is off that website. So cool. So cool. Well, great. Emma, thank you so much. I know I was looking at it before I got on the call. I want to go back to it and share it with all my friends. So thank you so much for the podcast. Thank you for our glamorous co-host, Ginny. And thank you to our listeners. And please, Please go out there, check out SoWork. Please share this with your friends, obviously with your team, your colleagues. And we look forward to seeing you next time on our next episode of Team Anywhere. Anywhere.